The following program is brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, and the views and opinions may not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this station. Today on The Travel Guys... In the travel news, Hilton is making your hotel room smarter and the National Park Service is cutting back on the number of days you can visit the parks for free. At 320, we make you a smarter traveler and holiday shopper by telling you when to turn down those offers of extra airline miles for shopping online. At 335, we introduce you to Wallet Hub, a new internet tool that can help you pick the right travel credit card, among other things. One of the most popular features of the show is when Mark digs into the mailbag and answers your questions, and we'll do exactly that coming up at 3.50. It's Sunday afternoon, a little past 3 o'clock. Thank you for joining us on The Travel Guys. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Welcome everyone, Mark and Tom, the Travel Guys here on KFBK, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Uh, only weeks away from Christmas, uh, countdown to uh, to the happiest, uh, happiest time of the year, huh? Mark Hoffman is on the road, been on the road for a, for a, for a, for a few weeks. Mark, uh, I understand we find you in one of my favorite uh, places to visit, in fact I'll be there in Gosh, just a little over a week, and that is uh, San Antonio, Texas. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, sir. I look out from my hotel room here at the Marriott Riverwalk onto the Riverwalk, which is adorned with thousands and thousands of Christmas lights, which will light up here in just a very short time here in San Antonio as darkness is just about upon us. So uh, this is a very Christmassy city. They, they, of course, Hispanic folks do Christmas in a big way, and there's a huge Hispanic uh, population here in San Antonio. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Christmas is very big in this city. Did you get a chance, and I don't know if it, if it ran since you've been there, but they have a, uh, uh, a Christmas parade with uh, the boats right down the, uh, the river walk or down the river, and it's, uh, it's quite a thing. Uh, I'm guessing that didn't happen while you were there. No, haven't seen, haven't seen that, but uh, they had a, uh, an insurance company had a Christmas party for 16,000 of its employees in the uh, convention center last night, which was kind of interesting, caused a, a massive traffic jam. But uh, no, this is a, is really, San Antonio is really one of my favorite places because it has one of my favorite landmarks in all of the United States. And when I was a boy growing up, uh, the the story of Davy Crockett was one that I always <laughs> kind of, was kind of close to my heart. So sure. the Alamo is here. And you know, the, the coolest thing, Tom, about the Alamo, or maybe, a, maybe not the coolest, but a surprising thing about the Alamo, folks who haven't been here, they picture the Alamo as they've seen it in history books and stuff like that, you know, on the Texas plain and, and not the whole lot around it. It's in the middle of downtown San Antonio, and there's a whole lot of things right around it. I mean, hotels and 
all kinds of things. And the Alamo is not very big. I mean, it's only the size of a reasonably decent museum. And, of course, it is an amazing museum but uh, and a great place to visit. But it's, it's always struck me that the, the Alamo is just a small place on the plaza here in San Antonio. Well, you know, I, I agree. I mean, the thing about the Alamo, uh, much like you, I grew up with Davy Crockett and the Disney uh, shows and, and the whole story of the Alamo, and I always pictured it as a fort, you know, much like, let's say, Sutter's Fort. In fact, in the movie, they would... Uh, they would show people walking around the top and shooting down at the other guys, you know. Yep. And, yep. and and uh, the Alamo is actually, or the it was it was a mission, and the walls are only about uh, maybe maybe eight feet high. And I'm thinking, trying to defend something that somebody basically could almost jump over. Uh, it had to been a real challenge. I understand that during the battles, what they did was they built the dirt up inside the Alamo wall. And then what they would do is they would they would uh, push the cannon up the little slope of the of the little hill and and shoot over shoot over the uh, over the wall. But it, it is really a you know I've read uh, on many times in different locations that that is the number one landmark and attraction in all of Texas in regards to the number of people that come to visit that location. And by golly, I believe it. And you're you're right across the street now. Before you showed up uh, in San Antonio, you were on a Christmas mystery trip, were you not? I I was. It's been a traveling month. We took a bunch of sports leisure travelers to Omaha, Nebraska, which you would say, oh my goodness, why would people pay you to go to Omaha, Nebraska? Oh no, my well, goodness, why would people pay you to go to <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska? <laughs> right on cue. Um, it's like San Antonio. Omaha is a huge Christmas city. They do Christmas up with symphony concerts and local. They had a local production of Christmas Carol that's been going on for 27 or 28 years in which they take just a few liberties with the story and, and take it a few different directions. That was really a lot of fun. We saw we participated in a Madrigal Christmas and we had a Christmas dinner at the uh, Greek Orthodox Church before one of the concerts. And uh, but we just had a really, really, really Christmassy occasion for five days uh, in and around Omaha. We never went more than 30 minutes from our hotel. Um, spent a little time at Boys Town in Omaha, which is celebrating their 100th anniversary this year. So it was really a lot of fun. I think uh, it will be back on our schedule next year, perhaps as a Midwestern Christmas celebration as a known destination, because it, it really was a wonderful trip. There was a lot of reallys in there, so I'm guessing everybody had a really, 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 really good time. Well, okay. Yeah. All right, my friends. Uh, Mark Hoffman, Tom Romano with you. We're the Travel Guys, and at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we'll bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. Mark, bring us up to date. Well, we're talking about Hilton Hotels in the headlines about how they are updating their rooms to let you customize and control your hotel room using your smartphone. This is coming uh, early in 2018 to a few Hilton hotels, but they hope to roll it out system-wide by the end of the year. You will be able to control the lights and the heats, the heat and the heats and the television, <laughs> um, all from your cell phone, which is uh, kind of cool when you think about it. I mean, if you didn't have to, you know, get up to turn off the lights or the or the television, or you could just 
lay like a bum on the bed and let it all happen around you. The uh, thing is, I just thinking about this, I mean, if you were out and about and your cell phone went dead and you got back to your room and it was your only source to get in your room, you know, my gosh, anybody got a charged cell phone over here so I can get in my room? I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm guessing what they'll probably do is give you like an alternative card or something just in case. I think, though, that you have just hit on the reason uh, Hilton is, has been offering folks to use your phone as your room key for at many hotels for quite some time, probably the better part of a year. But you may have just hit on, Tom, the one reason why perhaps you don't want your cell phone to be your key because it's not totally uncommon for people to be out and about during a day and their cell phone to run out of juice. Yeah, especially uh, on holiday. <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to get back into your hotel room. So, or turn on the TV set, or turn off the lights, or do much of anything of any consequence. <laughs> so uh, I, I think you've, you, you may have figured out why we, we still want that old, that old room key that uh, frustratingly won't let you in at the exact right moment. There you um, go. Speaking of... Speaking of things that won't let you do what they want to do, a big power outage at the Atlanta airport uh, today, which has grounded, as you heard in the news at the top of the hour, hundreds of flights, has caused a lot of cancellations. The weather is bad in Atlanta today. They've been having a lot of rain. So there are a lot of people at the airport who are waiting to go out. There are flights on the tarmac that are waiting to get a gate. Um, it's just a huge, huge, huge mess. So if you are planning uh, a trip on Delta Airlines uh, that's taking you anywhere near Atlanta on a, or on any other airline for that matter, um, you're going to want to check with your air, with your carrier before you take off just to make sure that you are uh, not heading into that that mess doesn't keep going on. Police are now starting to clear the airport. So that means that they, they obviously believe that this is going to be a a while before it straightens itself out. Um, National Park Service has announced it will significantly reduce the number of days that visitors may enter its parks for free. There will be four no-cost days in 2018. That's uh, down from 10 last year and 16 in 2016. The fee-free days next year are Martin Luther King's uh, birthday, Martin Luther King Day on January the 15th, the first day of National Park Week on April 21st, Public Lands Day on September 22nd, and Veterans Day on November 11th. A uh, spokesman for the Park Service said that they are returning to fewer fee-free days because it was a promotion for the National Park Centennial and also uh, something that was left over from the days of the recession. And uh, the National Park Service comment was uh, people can more afford to visit the parks, of course, if you're thinking of visiting the national parks, it may cost you a lot more money soon because the Park Service is looking at increasing the uh, week-long visitation, a, a visitation of a day to a week, from $30 to $70. So we will see um, what happens there. Tom, what do you suppose the busiest airline route is in North America? The busiest airline route in North America, huh? Hmm. The most people, the most flights and the most people. The most flights and the most people for the year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, New York yeah. City route. Yeah, yeah, that's there are a couple of there are three New York City routes in the top ten to Los Angeles, New York, and Atlanta. Interestingly enough, the busiest airline route in the in the, in North America is Orlando. Mexico uh, Mexico City to Cancun. Ooh, really? Yeah, actually, three of the busiest ten are are intra Mexico 
flights, Mexico City to Cancun, Monterey, and Guadalajara, Mm -hmm. uh, New York, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, uh, Los Angeles, Seattle, San Francisco, New York, New York, Atlanta, and one kind of fun one at 10 uh, on the list, um, Honolulu to Kahului, Maui. Interesting. Is one of the 10 busiest airline routes in the country. I thought that was kind of interesting. Which airlines offer the best Wi-Fi? Um, This is based on availability, the speed, and the price. JetBlue is the only one to offer free Wi-Fi, so no surprise that they show up first on the list, then Southwest, Delta, Virgin America, Alaska, American, and finally, at the bottom, my favorite airline, United. And yes, indeed, I can attest to the fact that their internet coverage absolutely sucks. Now, do they do they charge for uh, for their Wi-Fi? Oh yeah, yeah. And then when it then when it goes bad on you, you you submit for a refund afterwards. Used to be that United would say, well, it'll be four to six weeks while we consider your refund. Now they just automatically refund you. So that's how they 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 also know that the service is not that good. Hey, we've talked a lot about traveling with kids. At this time of the year, a lot of folks are on vacation with children. This isn't going to help you in the United States, but maybe it's something that will catch on. One international carrier, Finnair, is creating a whole program for children that are flying. Um, Special books, special characters that are patterned after Finnish TV characters for children. Um, It's going to start in the first half of 2018 on uh, flights out of Helsinki and then be expanded to the rest of their route throughout the year. Now, that to me is really somebody who came up with an obvious good idea. Why not come up with a whole kind of play program for the Mm -hmm. kids on the plane and give them something to do? I'm guessing it'll work in the gate areas and all kinds of stuff like that. So, what a great idea! From, it, it is. You would think the other airlines would uh, would you know kind of catch on. You might, but uh, that would cost money, and I am not sure the U.S. airlines are all into that uh, into customer service on quite that level yet. Thomas, when uh, we come back after we take a break. By the way, that is the travel news for today. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, speaking of airlines and airline miles and stuff like that. You know, some of those special offers that they send you in the email and they say, hey, you know, um, get some extra airline miles by <laughs> shopping here or buying these flowers or something. I suspect that you being the smarter traveler you are, you already know this, but uh, sometimes the price for the one where you get the extra miles has been jacked up to accommodate you. All so right. we're going to talk, talk a little bit about that and how you can avoid those situations and make you a smarter traveler in just a few minutes. All right, and by the way, follow along with uh, what we're talking about, links to most everything at TravelGuysRadio.com. Under three minutes, we'll be back to make you a smarter traveler. Travel Guys on the radio every Sunday from 3 to 4. If you're out of town and you want to follow along and listen to the program, you can find us on iHeartRadio, KFBK website as well, and podcasts at TravelGuysRadio.com. Uh, I'm Tom, he's Mark, he's in San Antonio, and Mark, uh, you know, I get uh, emails all the time, particularly Southwest, because that's my uh, my major carrier, and uh, during the holidays, every time I turn around, I see one that's talking about about offers and savings and extra points, and pulled up one the other day, and it had uh, what we're going to talk about. It had a list of all the different places that I could shop 
and benefit by uh, shopping there and, and getting extra points. Uh, and, you know, I was a little reluctant to dig in. What are your thoughts? Well, you need to be careful about this stuff because it isn't always what it seems. Um, a recent offer from FTD and American Airlines is a good case in point. Um, the headline says 30 points per dollar. 30 times the amount of points that you would normally get for just buying a bouquet of flowers. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, you could earn up to 3,000 extra miles and it only takes 25,000 if you can find a ticket available for that amount to get a free round trip ticket. So that's one eighth of a ticket. What a great deal. Send flowers to eight people and you've got a free, well, maybe not quite so much. Um, when you look at the FTD website, if you click on the link that you are supplied, you find that the flowers are price A. But if you go to the FTD website yourself on your own without the aid of the special link provided by the airlines, you find that indeed the pricing for every one of those holiday floral bouquets is 10 to $20 lower without the added extra bonus mm. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so, and there, the internet is full of these. And Tom, I'd be willing to bet that if we took your list of, uh, of merchants that we would find, not every merchant does this, but that you would find in, very, in a lot of cases that not only is the price jacked up, but it's jacked up more than what the value of the miles are. In other words, you could buy the miles directly from the airline at their inflated prices and in some cases get them cheaper than what you're paying. So you're really, you're not getting in, in most cases the best price and the offset for the number of miles or points that you're gaining because of it is not fair either. So you've got to, when you get one of those offers, my suggestion to you to make yourself a smarter traveler, credit card holder, citizen period, would be that you go to the regular website for either that product or a similar product and compare to see if Indeed, something is go something funny is going on with the pricing. Now we uh, talked briefly about this the other day, uh, but some of our listeners may not have been tuned in. Uh, and, and at the same time, there is a lot of emails that are uh, coming out from the airlines offering you great deals to buy points. Your thoughts Ooh. on buying points? It's don't if you've got a traveling a friend in your family or somebody you say, well, gee, I'll buy them some miles for Christmas. The only time, the only time that you would consider buying, buying miles and, pay, and paying good money for them or hotel points or whatever might be a situation where you were only a thousand miles short of a free ticket or a couple thousand miles short of a hotel stay or something like that. Then it might make sense to pay an absorbent, ridiculous amount of money for those missing miles and points that you have because it might get you to a much greater reward but that would be the only time that you would do that the best way to get a gift for someone who's on your gift list who is a traveler is buy them an american airlines gift card and then they can use that towards travel themselves um, don't try to buy the, the miles and stuff that's a sucker's bet uh, pt barnum said one was born every minute and when it comes the airlines are particularly guilty of this it seems. It seems like the other affinity cards, uh, some of the hotels and stuff get into this, but the airlines are the ones that seem to have the 
the biggest ripoff, frankly. Uh, there's no other way to put it. They're just people are getting taken to the cleaners. They think they're getting a good deal. Not only are they not getting a good deal, but in some cases they're getting a bad deal. Um, so be careful with all of that kind of stuff. Well, with, uh, with, uh, with that being said, are there any, you know, here again, uh, thinking about the ways that you can, you can acquire miles when you buy your, mm-hmm. your airline ticket using a rewards card, uh, a, a charge card for that particular airline, uh, using it to perhaps to uh, rent cars and so forth. And sometimes they'll give you maybe double points. Uh, do you have any suggestions of any other ways to help accumulate airline miles? The best way, you kind of have hit on it there, Tom, when the card issuer themselves, when Hilton says, um, look, we'll give you five times points if you stay on a Tuesday in February at one of these hotels. So when the card issuer themselves are issuing the bonus miles and points, then that's a good thing. But one thing that is never good news is if you, Hilton has been very liberal with miles and points and their, their, the status that you can earn and stuff like that, that you can, you can buy status with Hilton. And when your credit card issuer is throwing around a lot of miles or points for free, it is usually a sign that a devaluation is just around the corner and sometimes a major devaluation because, in essence, they've done what governments have done for years. You know, they printed money. And then when they printed too much of it, it wasn't worth anything anymore, so they had to lower the value of it. So that's why we also tell folks that not to run a huge balance of miles and points and stuff like that. Use them as you need them and as you can, because they are never going to be worth any more than they are today. Now, uh, a lot of airlines uh, in here, again, this is this is true uh, with hotel stays as well. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this uh, interview we have coming up called Wallet Hub. But are do you know of any airlines that says if you've accumulated X number of uh, points for miles, uh, you don't have to do something to keep them active or does it? Well, and there's only the only one that's like that is Best Western among the hotels and the airlines. Every one of them has a you must do something to keep these active. But doing something can be as little as as purchasing something with your credit card, um, redeeming a few miles for a magazine subscription or something else. So you, you should never let those miles expire. You should always try to do something to be able to pick them up. Tom, I have a, 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 a next week we're going to make people a smarter traveler by telling them how they actually have a little bit of a window to cancel their travel insurance all right so that will be coming up next week all right more with the travel guys straight ahead wallet hubs next in about six minutes right after the news here on kfbk it's mark and tom the travel guys brought to you by sports leisure vacations thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your day to spin with us. Not that long ago, uh, Mark had a, a great list of uh, hotel rewards, how they stacked up. And uh, and by golly, I got an email from a company called Wallet Hub, and it talked about kind of the same thing, hotel rewards report from a kind of a different angle. So I thought maybe getting a different perspective would be helping to make you a smarter traveler. So our special guest today from Wallet Hub is Jill Gonzalez. She is their senior analyst. Welcome, Jill, to The Travel Guys. Thanks for having me. 
Joe, what attracted us to Wallet Hub at this particular moment in time was your 2017 list for best hotel rewards programs. And as Tom mentioned, uh, J.D. Powers just released their list a couple of weeks ago. What really we found interesting on this is that the hotel chain that it was at the bottom of the J.D. Powers Awards is at the top of the Wallet Hub Awards. And uh, that's Wyndham. And even Chris Elliott, uh, consumer advocate who is on our program frequently, commented uh, when he shared the J.D. Powers thing that, that, in his opinion, that Wyndham's rewards program was better than folks were, were rating it. So, so I ask you, as, a, as an analyst, what have you found in your research here on the different hotel rewards programs? Yes. So I think J.D. Power does things a little bit differently, more of like a consumer survey. We look directly at the numbers, what's available, kind of comparing all of the amenities that you might be able to get through these rewards. So as you said, overall, we found that Wyndham Rewards really was the most bang for your buck here. Also serves a lot of hotels, around 8,000, where a lot of these others are hovering around the one to 5,000 level. So of course, you want to see which hotels you're using in your geographical area, how much you're traveling, all of these things before you pick them as well. They're certainly not created equally. If you're if you're not a hotel person and you're looking for a hotel, there are other brands besides just the Wyndham brand that fall under their umbrella, just like uh, Marriott and Starwood are, are, are merging, but Marriott and Starwood themselves each have a plethora of different brands. How do folks figure out when they're out here looking at and, and you're looking at a hotel chain at uh, a quality inn, how does the public know where that fits? Right. It's hard. I mean, now you pull out your smartphone and essentially you Google it. It's really hard to figure out which hotel chains are, are under what umbrella brand. So that's one thing to, again, keep in mind because we look at these total rewards. We're not really sure which hotel falls under which, for the average consumer at least, it's kind of tough to figure out. I do think now it's easier than ever that we have so many quick tools to look these things up, even during the booking time. Jill Gonzalez, Senior Analyst with WalletHub. Jill, besides Wyndham, uh, kind of give us a rundown maybe of the, the top four or five, and, and also can you tell me what your criteria is in regards to rating? Absolutely. So we'll actually start with criteria here, we looked at things like geographic coverage in terms of the total number of hotels, the country coverage, the total number of hotels in top 10 U.S. and international cities, since that's where a lot of people are more inclined to stay. We looked at value of rewards to actual dollars, and that's for light travelers through moderate through heavy. And it's important to decide which one you think you fall under. We looked at limitations here because most of these reward programs come with them from earning points to third-party booking, which a lot of people, I think more than ever, are doing now. Also, redemption options, if there's any brand exclusions, as we just talked about, some of these hotel chains that fall under the umbrella brand are actually excluded from a lot of point redemptions, so that would be something that we deducted points for, as well as blackout dates, expirations, reservation timing. So we really tried to look at this holistically. I think you did a good job, Jill. Here's an example. Um, your survey points out that Best Western is the only major hotel chain whose reward points don't expire if you don't have any account activity. 
to folks who travel fairly infrequently, the Best Western program is a, anything you earn there is still going to be there two or three or four or five years later when you go back to it, as opposed to many of the other programs, uh, their points would have expired or, or gone away. By the way, um, if you're interested in what we're talking about, we are going to post this entire survey from Wallet Hub at TravelGuysRadio.com. So there'll be a link to it there, and you can get to the Wallet Hub uh, website. But I'm looking here at your chart that shows that two-thirds of hotel loyalty programs are offering as much or more rewards value this year as they did last year, which I, th I think is interesting because a lot of our blogger and points and miles friends are always lamenting the fact that, gee, these programs are becoming less and less valuable over time. But it, it, here on the chart, you have pointed out that, indeed, some of the programs actually offer more value this year than they did the previous year. Yeah, I mean, two-thirds, I think, is, is pretty good here. I mean, these, a lot of these programs and a lot of these brands know that this is a very crowded space. They not only wanted to attract new customers – they want to hold on to the ones that they already have, and they know that this is something that people, bloggers, are comparing day in and day out. So especially a lot of the big names are actually doing better this year than last year, especially when it comes to that actual rewards value, so that value earned for $100 spent by a heavy traveler who are most likely the programs. So Wyndham Rewards is doing better. Hilton Honors is another one. Jill, uh, we should have asked you this early on, but uh, let's do it now. Tell us a little bit about Wallet Hub and what it is that you guys do. Wallet Hub is a personal finance website that really is geared to help consumers make the best financial decisions they possibly can. So whether that's price comparison and us kind of crunching the numbers for you or creating calculators for you to figure this out on your own, we try to put that all under one site at Wallet Hub. You know, on your website, uh, you had holiday budgets by city. I know you, you, I think you surveyed like 570 cities. And uh, you, you wouldn't happen to have uh, done anything here in Northern California uh, so that you can help me decide how much I need to spend on, on Christmas this year and not feel guilty. I, I, I have a feeling I always go over the, the national average. Was that a travel question or... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can count it. We can count it as as a travel question. Absolutely. Well, I do a lot Absolutely. of I travel I travel Dubai. Well, so Northern California actually does pretty well. I mean, we have places like Palo Alto near the top of the list where the holiday budget is almost $3,000. Keep in mind the average holiday budget this year is more like 960, mm -hmm. which is actually up from last year by about 3%. But in Sacramento, it's a little bit lower. It's around $540. That's pretty much middle of the pack. So that's, how, that's traditionally what people in Sacramento will, will spend on holiday purchases. Does that count like the Christmas tree and things of that sort? Or are we just talking about gifts here? This is just gifts, and I'm glad you asked. That's how much they should be spending. So the way that we went about this is looking at the average income for Sacramento, average expenses, how much savings people have, and monthly expensive, doing a debt-to-income ratio, and that's the holiday budget that was spit out. So that's what most people should spend. You can figure out exactly for your income and your expenses on WalletHub.com what your holiday budget should be. Wow, Tom, that, that turned out to be a pretty darn good non-travel question there. There you go. Once, um. in, once, in, a while, <laughs> once in a while, I'll, I'll sneak one in. But then again, our listeners know that we... We focus on travel and entertainment, I might point out, and occasionally yeah. 
just, uh, you know, lifestyle stuff. If you are a geek who likes this kind of information like I do about hotel programs and stuff like that, or you're just trying to figure out which one seems to be a little bit better, um, Wallet Hub has really done an excellent job here. I think, of breaking down things and of, of talking about some of the ways that they have rated is, you know, does a hotel have a lot of geographic coverage? What are the value of their rewards and things of that sort so that when you're choosing not only a hotel program to be a part of, but then logically a credit card is something. And we've talked many times on this program about how, in our opinion, credit cards that are hotel-based are more valuable to the traveler than uh, credit cards that are airline-based. Of course, some of that depends on how you travel. But go to TravelGuysRadio.com. You'll find a link there to the Wallet Hub, not only to their website, but to this uh, hotel rewards program. Jill, before we let you go, um, any last uh, words of wisdom that we haven't touched on here? Well, I'll compliment you guys. We actually happen to agree on that idea that hotel rewards cards are typically better than airline cards. You can get a lot of free nights, of course, Depends where you stay, depends how you travel, but we agree with you. So props to that. All right. Well, once again, Jill Gonzalez, Senior Analyst with Wallet Hub. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Travel Guys today, Jill, all the way from uh, Washington. You stay well. Have a wonderful holiday. Thanks. You too, Travel Guys. All right. Coming up in just under three minutes, we're going to dive into the Travel Guys mailbag. Questions from our listeners. People like you, maybe even you, that you sent us at TravelGuysRadio.com. That's coming up next. Thanks for joining us. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano on the radio here with you. We are the Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And as we promised about three minutes ago, time for the Travel Guys to uh, dip into our mailbag. Uh, as we've seen on our website, TravelGuysRadio.com, uh, this is a popular feature. This is a one where you can send in your questions to our website at TravelGuysRadio.com. Right there, it'll show you a little box where you can put in your question, and we pull the questions out and answer them on the radio. And uh, they're always great questions, and we certainly thank you for doing so. Mark, uh, what's, our, what's on our question list for today? Well, we've got uh, quite a few, uh, I think, good questions here, Thomas. One lady is asking, um, what's the best travel credit card? You know, we talk a little about credit cards once in a while on this program. And really what the best travel credit card is, and as you just heard the, the, the gal from Travel Wallet talking about, we were talking about hotel programs and the fact that, that she agreed with us that hotel credit cards are better, hotel affinity credit cards are better for earning points and stuff for travel than airline cards. So I might first send you there. Um, but probably the best resource is to see what uh, Ben Schlopik has to say at one mile at a time. He has a, a website that is specifically, while well, he talks about a lot of other things, he most he loves reviewing first-class cabins and uh, luxury airline accommodations and things like that. But he also talks a lot about credit cards. So it's one mile at a time. I will put a link to it at Travel Guys Radio. In fact, I think there's a permanent link on our on our homepage. But one mile at a time, and I'll put a link to it. And I would suggest that you go there. And once a week or so, they talk about specific cards. You can do a search there, or I'm sure on their homepage there will be lots of ways for you to figure it out. Generally, we suggest hotel cards over airline cards. If you're a fairly infrequent flyer, if you're really a frequent flyer, you might want a card that uh, there are a couple of Chase Sapphire cards that Ben likes. 
Um, I'm real fond of the Marriott Rewards card because it doesn't charge for international transactions, a, a fee for it. So if you're doing international stuff, it kind of depends. There are an awful lot of cards out there. It kind of depends on which, what card most fits what you do and how you do it. So spend a little bit of time searching around and maybe apply for a couple of cards, and then you can, over a period of a few months, make a decision on which one you like the best. Let me chime in for just a second. Uh, and we, we talked to a gentleman uh, a few years ago uh, in regards to amassing cards for the purpose of uh, benefits, rewards, and such. And keep in mind that whenever you do uh, apply for a credit card uh, and you have excellent credit, there's always a, a few points deducted from your credit score, somewhere around five or seven, uh, and will reduce your credit score by uh, a little bit. So massing more than just one or two cards can can eventually affect your credit. So if you have excessive credit, uh, way above, let's say, 750, uh, you can probably, you know, uh, handle that. But be advised that uh, a lot of people are unaware that every time they just apply for a credit card, regardless of their credit, they, their score goes down a little bit. Okay, Mark? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is held against you just ever so slightly. Okay, next one here. Um, what airline should I fly to London? And then the, the second part of the question is, should I go to San Francisco for the nonstop or fly from Sacramento? Um, this is a question that comes up a lot. I'm a tour operator, so... Um, when we are flying people overseas, we're always looking at fares from San Francisco or Los Angeles. Should we take a, a take folks by by bus to San Francisco and, and try to hit a nonstop? What's the difference in the fares, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I will tell you that um, just for for fun, I pulled up a couple of random dates here in January, um, about two weeks apart, for a nonstop from Sacramento and a nonstop from San Francisco. Um, the lowest fare from Sacramento is about $1,300, um, and there are only a couple of choices. The lowest fare from San Francisco ranges from five to $600, and there are a multitude of choices, including uh, some for slightly above the lowest fare that will get you all the way across the pond uh, on a nonstop from San Francisco or uh, fly you to Reykjavik or to uh, Amsterdam and then on to London from there. So the answer to the question is, um, you need to do, you need to do your shopping. There is no one airline that is if you're just looking for cheapest to go to London. Beware of things like Norwegian Air because you're gonna you you may be buying buying a fare that's a lot cheaper, but it doesn't allow it doesn't include a seat assignment or a carry-on bag or a checked bag or and by the time you add all those things in, sometimes those cheap fares turn out to be not competitive to the fare that had all that stuff included in in it in the first place. But in terms of whether you fly from Sacramento or San Francisco, you will find that San Francisco or Los Angeles is almost always cheaper. And just make sure that if you're flying uh, to San Francisco on United and you're catching an American flight or something else out of town that you, you if you have to check, if you have to claim your bags in San Francisco or Los Angeles, you've allowed time for that. So that's not, if you haven't done this before, I would strongly recommend that you get a travel counselor to help you. Maybe do your own homework find out which a couple of fares that you think would fit what you need and then go to somebody paying somebody 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 dollars um, to help you with this probably in the long one would save you a lot of money help educate you and make you better 
uh, prepared to pick your own airfare the next time. We are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom. We're doing the mailbag today. Uh, and once again, go to TravelGuysRadio.com. Uh, there you can leave a question for the Travel Guys. Mark, what's next? I got uh, one here from a mother who was traveling with two children for the first time. When we had the TSA guys on a couple weeks ago, I think we, we asked them specifically about this. Um, she says, I've got a two-child stroller. It's quite large. Um, it's certainly larger than any you know rules or regulations or anything. And she's saying, how, can, how do the, is the airport going to handle this? Well, um, she has a one-year-old and a two-year-old, I might add. So, can, so Mom, um, first of all, the fact that you're even trying to do this with two po- small children um it probably means that you deserve an award or that you're crazy one of the two um you'll know when it's all nice over though. i think which one of them yeah that you which which one that you want um okay so tsa um tsa you can go to the tsa website there is specifically if you just enter children in the search bar or strollers or anything like that it, there is a spot on the tsa website that talks specifically about traveling with children and addresses all of these questions, including if you might be traveling with a child who has a disability or some special need or some special situation, the TSA has an entire part of their website dedicated to helping you with those issues. Specifically about strollers, let me just tell you that it'll go through inspection just fine. Um, Sometimes just like a a wheelchair, uh, sometimes it has to be hand inspected, but they'll get it through there for you. You'll have to take the kids out and get them through security somehow, and then you can put them back in the stroller on the other side. When you get to the gate, the airline will take the stroller from you, and uh, when you get to your arrival gate, they will give it back to you. You will have it at, at a connection. So if you were connecting, uh, you're flying American and you're connecting in Phoenix. Uh, you'll get your stroller back when your plane arrives, and you can take it to the connecting gate, and when you arrive at your destination, hypothetically, it comes up to you while you're still at the gate and you can transport the kids that way. So actually the system is kind of set up to help you. Um, God bless you and, and good luck to you with the two kids um, traveling over the holidays. But the TSA people and the airlines are hypothetically there to make your, your life as easy as possible. Let's see here. We got time for one more, Tom? One more. Okay. Um, this is uh, how dependable would you consider Amtrak? I would have loved to have written back to this person, but this question just came in yesterday, so I didn't have time. Um, how dependable would you consider Amtrak? Well, if I'm going on a long-distance Amtrak train, mm-hmm. I'm not con- I'm not concerned if the train arrives three or four hours after the scheduled departure time. So if you take the train, it's because you're not specifically concerned about being there at 4 p.m. in the afternoon that if you arrive at six or seven, it won't be a catastrophe. So Amtrak long distance trains have a tendency sometimes to be, you know, a couple, three hours. Not They don't have the best routing in terms of sharing uh, tracks with freight trains and stuff like that. However, the local Amtrak trains, the capital trains and stuff like that, um, the capital corridor train and the San Joaquins, um, it's very rare for those to run more than 10 or 15 minutes late in any direction. And I will just tell you that I rarely drive to San Francisco anymore. I go to the Amtrak depot uh, in Sacramento or in Davis, and I take the train to San Francisco and take the train uh, take the train to Emeryville, and then connect uh, by bus into San Francisco. It's smooth. It's seamless. Uh, the bus only stops generally in one spot now at the Transbay Terminal, so you have to couple of schedules a day go to Pier 39, uh, but you you. 
you generally will have to get transportation from the Transbay Terminal in San Francisco. But those trains are very reliable, uh, along with the ones that go down the valley with the San Joaquin three or four times a day. Sometimes you have to use a bus connector out of Sacramento. But the long-distance Amtrak trains, um, they will get you there, but timing might not be your biggest consideration. A um, couple of others about basic airfares and another one about lost luggage. We'll, we'll save that, I guess, Thomas. Um, for the next time, quickly here, lost luggage. Um, this lady said her luggage, her, her mom flew to Ohio. Her luggage was gone for three days. Did the airline owe her anything? And the answer generally is yes, um, that the airline does owe you your personal expenses. And after a certain period of time, different airlines have different policies, but they will reimburse you for things that you have to buy to survive while you're waiting for your luggage. Um, check with each with the individual airline and also um, you can go to their websites and generally you can find their luggage policies that will tell you what, what their rules are in terms of 28 hours, 48 hours and what they can do for you. And that's